0: Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations
1: with Dr. Doe. Hi, MC. Hi. How is so it going? This is going to be simple and lovely.
0: It is. We're just going to have fun talking.
1: Yeah. It's a explanations podcast. Yeah. yeah. let's do it. And fun and lovely is just like sex. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, Can not be? all sex, but Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got, we have uh so this in in showbiz i guess is called hanging a lantern where you talk about you know maybe the things that are going on that would contribute to the audience's knowledge um so i have my old dog here who likes being in my company old and, grumpy dog. yeah at and the moment. we have all these foster puppies who she's not a big fan of. Whom she's not a big fan of. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see how this but goes. But puppies just
1: look at her like, come, please play with me. Yeah. I want to play. They're learning
0: about the world.
1: Yeah, they are learning about the world. Yeah. Which is what we're here to talk about, right?
0: Yes, talking to... Human
1: puppies learning about the world. But first, <laughs> before they learn about the world, the human puppies have to learn about themselves. Okay. And Do their you want bodies. To
0: break that down for me?
1: Yeah. I would say I'm here because perhaps there's a gap in how parent people like me, like lots of my friends, like so many hundreds of thousands of people on earth, there's this gap in how we teach our kids about themselves because there's this word, S-E-X, that sends any everyone almost into some kind of alarm, typically. Not always, but sometimes. <laughs> See, even the old grumpy dog. I say the word and he gets grumpy. Yes. Oh, so
0: good. So many puppies. So many puppies, yes. Um, so, y- do you react to sex that way?
1: Well, frankly, when I think of this topic of sex, I think, oh, that is some... Topic one of those compartmentalized topics that I, I as the parent, am supposed to share with my kids. But I'll just think about it later because they're really little right now. And I don't want to deal with it right now. I'm busy. I have enough to, to deal with. So we'll get to it when we get to it. When they're ready. When okay. they're ready, which as me, the self-reflective parent, mm-hmm. notes right now that I'm thinking it's when they're ready. And I think the real question is, when am I as a parent ready to talk about sex, sexuality, all of those topics that in our culture, we often just sort of keep alongside of us in a box, but we're not really willing for whatever reason. Oh, reason, perhaps because I was brought up in a world where shame comes up when we think about talk talking about sex or um, embarrassment or, um, well, I never was taught about sex, sexuality when I was a kid, or at least I don't remember it. And so... You don't remember? I don't remember. Learning about sex as a kid? Are you kidding? When I talk to other parents and I say, so, what did you learn about sex when you were a kid? Parents look at me like, duh, are you kidding? Nothing at all. Hmm. And then they proceed to tell stories like, you wouldn't believe how I learned about, you know, things like normal natural things like having my period oh yeah yeah horror stories yeah horror stories and it's not it's not our parents fault it's just what society was doing and how how we frame something that's so important and so everywhere and so part of us us being every human being on earth so do you think
0: so your belief is that we do it when we're ready. The guardians, which inc- could include all types of adult figures in a child's life, rather than when the kids are ready. But then how does an adult know when they are ready to have those
1: conversations actually, with kiddos? It's not. That's really I'm saying that a bit sarcastically. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't really come across that we. um Yeah, we think we come from the place of, well, I'm not ready to talk about this. We avoid it. We may not even um, identify that, Oh, it's me. It's me. Who's not ready to talk about it. And I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. we're just like, I, I just won't deal with it once I have to mm-hmm. later. So I'm sort of, um, I am, um, blaming and kind of shaming. We adults who don't get with it and say, we, I want to talk about this and I'm ready. And, um, and it's not about really when I'm ready. It's about when my kids are ready to learn about their bodies, which can be, One, two, there are kids come out of the womb exploring their bodies. And it's really up to us to be able to um, start talking about it in the way that kids are ready in their language. So meet the kids where they are, the curiosity. And it's also we have such great opportunities to talk about sex with kids with such um, light and such curiosity and such joy and celebration. It's a way sex conversations are a way of teaching about respect, not just sexually, but respect across the board, respect for ourselves and our bodies and our body parts, our private parts.
0: Conversation about sexuality has gone well.
1: Yes. And it always involves laughter, cheer, um Enjoyment of bodies feeling good and things feeling good, touch touches, nor normal natural kid touches exploration of their body feeling good and giving pleasure. Um, so those kinds of that's the the tone of a conversation like that. Oh my God. And also the conversation that goes well,' mm-hmm. is the best thing I learned <laughs> from a brilliant woman who knows a lot about kids and sexuality and puberty. Twent a hundred one hundred twenty-second conversations.
0: One hundred have one hundred twenty-second conversations. Yeah.
1: Oh, I like that. You know what? Because you know what happens when you sit down. Let's say I'm the mom and you're my kid. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we sit down and I say, okay, Lindsay, we're gonna have the sex talk now and you're like, oh my God, you're, no. you're like eh, writhing in discomfort. I gotta go play. I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. I'm hungry. Whatever that looks like. And oh my, see, it's even the baby. Doesn't want me to talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the strategy of, Hey, there's this moment where this opportunity came up and my kid is i just walked in the bedroom on my kid and she's under the covers and she's like she's like four Mm -hmm. and she's got no clothes on Mm -hmm. and she's just kind of looking really happy (laughs) and i get to walk in and i either get to go like oh my god i think she's touching herself i can't take this i don't want to say this is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. hey don't do that i could go there sort of my fear-based learning of sex who wants to take me there hmm. or I can be like hi wow you look happy right now does that feel good and I actually this actually happened to me and you know what she said uh-huh <laughs> 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 That's awesome. I was just talking myself off the ledge in my head yeah. about just stay with her stay with this this is okay there's this opportunity and I proceeded to say a few words about how important it is for us to feel comfortable with our bodies and explore what sensations we get when we touch our bodies in an appropriate place, like one's own bed, in one's own bedroom, in one's own house, mm-hmm. with one's own parent or caregiver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that, and I kept it short. I wanted to say more. I was like, Oh, I could say a lot more. But I would have lost her. So I So twenty seconds. Yeah, twenty seconds.
0: And it worked well. Yeah. The
1: other helpful strategy for talking about things that might make the adult uncomfortable, but the child doesn't yet know that this is an uncomfortable topic, um, is to have a ball or something and you just start playing a game. Like we could use anything. We could take we could take this or our chocolate, and we can pass mm-hmm. it back and forth here. And we're just passing it back and, we're and just forth? Passing it back and forth. And we can have a conversation. We can turn our attention away and just pass back and forth. But the most important part is that we're staying connected mm-hmm. by an activity outside of what may make the parent uncomfortable to talk about. <laughs> the parent, right? Yes. <laughs> right? It's usually the adult. Oh. <gasps> And I, you know, I think of, I think of little humans, big humans, child humans, adult humans. What we know is that we seek connection, and I think a talk about sex is can be a really beautiful way to have quality connection, and um, and then it, you know, sex is another way of having quality connection. So I think it all fits the agenda of how do you how do we teach our kids how do we talk to our kids about what really natural healthy life-giving kinds of connection is and that can even be the opening of a conversation of you know for for adults um that connection is often to have sex to have intercourse um that's one way for adults to communicate and be connected and for kids that looks different because kids are different. Kids are developing Mm -hmm. and the kids aren't the same as adults. So what does connection look like? What does connection to self look like? What does connection to others
0: look like? Do you disclose your personal experiences with kiddos? Is that something you recommend other adults or your your guardian friends
1: to do? Yeah. um, With my, I'm just thinking of with my own kids, um, yeah, we, I, and I'm starting to laugh because whenever I talk about my own um, relationship with their dad, I, I, I tend to smile mm-hmm. and sort of, there isn't this smile of embarrassment, mm-hmm. um, or I'm about to disclose something and it's scary, but it's more this like, this is fun to talk about. And I'm not sure what the right words are, but what I want to convey is, um the beauty of connecting with someone when it feel, and and it feeling really good to connect mm-hmm. and uh, so i disclose not not i you know i have to say i don't disclose directly what we do because you know I don't know how helpful that is. Yeah. You know, you hear stories of, who, of adults who are like, there was just a TV show on the other night. I think it was In Psych, the popular teenage TV show, where the adult walked in on his parents who were having sex. He was completely dysregulated, disturbed, distressed for weeks about that. You know, so it's not about, this is what your dad and I do. This is what I do with my partners. And that's okay. It's not that, mm-hmm. but it's more the whole concept of, um, helping them explore, um, and learn what, learn vocabulary. So the vocabulary isn't necessarily using my own experience, Mm -hmm. um, but it's learning the vocabulary. Like, yeah, kids need to know the real names of body parts. They need to know penis and vagina and vulva and all of those words. You know, I see, um, in my work world, I work with, I work with kids, um, Sometimes I put the word out there, sex, um, sexual, because I need to see what is their, what is their history? What does this mean to them? And I get, oh my God, that's so gross. Don't say those words. They hold their ears. I get anything from that to, they'll say it and I'll say the word sexual and they'll say the word back to me. You mean smexual? And I say, uh, what's smexual? Well, sexual is uncomfortable for me to say. So I don't say that word. I say (laughs) smexual. Uh, I say, okay, but now I know what you're talking about, but I didn't know what you were talking about before. So how do we have conversations with other people about such an important topic when we don't call things what they are? So let's practice. I'll I'll say sexual if you use sexual, <laughs> and we go back and forth about the, the real words and getting comfortable and conditioned to, we can say these words and it's okay. They're not going to dissolve and because something gross just happened to them they can they can tolerate and grow their capacity for for conversations and in this generation oh my god kids are blowing my mind these days my own kids are blowing my mind with what they know and they're sort of they go so easily into conversations about gender um and i and they're my teachers now hmm. You know what? That's what I would like to say. I'm just, it's just occurring to me how important it is to realize that let our kids be our teachers. Sex is not something in sex, sex with, um, in the context of teaching children is not something like we sit there with all the experience and wisdom and we dispense that to our children with the right words at the right time. Um, but really see it as this mutual ongoing exploration together. Um, that just really feels, feels much better for both.
0: Hmm.
1: I learned, uh, from a wise person, um, who talks to kids all over the country, to kids and their, and their caregivers about, um, sex and sexuality. And she says, eight is great. <laughs> <laughs> if kids don't know, about sex by the time they're eight, then they're not going to be learning it from you. They're going to be learning it from the playground. Is that what you would like, mom, dad, caregiver, foster mom, foster dad? Mm-hmm. Um, would you like them to learn firsthand from the playground or from you? And most parents will say, no, no, no. I want to be that. <laughs> I know it's like, oh, it's like I get squeamish and squirmish. But yeah, you're right. So um, I often help. I've had friends come to me and say, are there any books? Which is why, Lindsay, I brought this whole box of books today because yes, I have books. I love it. I know. Right? Okay. So do you want to rattle off the titles? Okay. Yes. And I got this. I'm going to say my favorite title first. Okay. Sex is a funny word. I love that. So I love this book so much. It's colorful. It's simple. And It's pretty. I I showed it to a kid Mm -hmm. and they looked at it and they said, they looked through it and they go, no, I want that one. That looks weird. (laughs) Okay. I want to go. I'm so disappointed. So, which says what I think is cool and hip and appropriate Uh is not necessarily what the kids think. And that's why I love this other book so much, which is, um, it is Will Puberty Last My Whole Life? And I love this book. <laughs> yeah. Because she, uh, the author, one of the authors of this, this is the way she put it, she said, you know, we travel all over the country. her partner, uh, she and her partner travel all over and they do these workshops, two-day workshops, and they talk to, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of kids. And they gather the questions that kids have from their drawn from their own minds, from their own curiosity, with their own words. And then she put those into a book. So these Is this
0: questions. the one that switches yes. where you turn it around and yes. there's a side for boys and there's a side for girls? Yeah. Because I went to that, we both did it together. Do you yeah, remember? remember? We both that. had our kids there and yeah. we did this puberty class together. And then I think that the New York Times maybe contacted me and they said, we know you had taken this class and we're doing an article about- these educators. Can you give us feedback? And I said, yeah, it was really great. The only issue that I have with it is that it's very binary, right? So Um, you have like boys go here, girls go here. The book is boys on one half, right? You read it one direction and then you turn it upside down and you can read it the other direction for boys. And that part was missing for me because, um, I think at the time I was, uh, working on adopting a trans girl and, um, it just, that it, and then in my personal or my yeah. professional life and my personal life, I should say, there's so many gender expressions that don't fit into that binary, and so mm-hmm. I, I miss that. But yes, otherwise, I agree. The book is amazing. So
1: you were really in a place where the gap was really obvious for you, because of- yeah.
0: Well, I think I am able to give more criticism when I really like something. If I'm uh, kind of lukewarm about it, it doesn't... it doesn't even feel worth my enthusiasm or passion to comment. And so I like this book and their program so much that I wanted it
1: to be perfect.
0: Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. like, this is one thing that's missing. Mm-hmm. How can we yeah, get that a, in there? Really,
1: that's a really good point. Yeah. And I have really been fixated on the fact that it's um, the kids question, the questions that kids have. And it made me realize how much other materials are often, this is what adults think kids should know. Mm, yeah. And so it comes from that perspective as if we're the experts. And um, I just love this, that the expression in this uh, kids being the experts. So yeah, that's a really important thing to keep in mind. Um, the design is cool. You know, the flip it over, it's yeah. a fun surprise. So it just goes to say the more fun we can make learning about sex for kids, the better it yeah. adds to that. Mm, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have a whole bunch of other ones like, well, what's my favorite for older teens and kids in their twenties. Talk about non-binary.
0: Sex, all the, all you need to know sexuality guide to get
1: you through your teens and
0: twenties by yes. Heather Karina.
1: Yes. It's beautiful. And they discuss the pronouns. They, they, actually, I haven't looked at this one for a while, but the, the fascinating thing about it is they're able to write without ever using or attaching a pronoun to a certain... Yeah, good. <laughs> I know. Like, wow, that is another language. The more language. you
0: do it, the easier it gets.
1: Yeah, it's true. And And I'm older. I'm in my fifties. So, and my children are... Uh, much more well-rounded in terms of what's going on and what people are learning. And I feel a little bit isolated um, without practicing and reading. And just, I just listen to them. Like what language do I speak? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love that. I love that. Our kids being our teachers.
1: And then, gosh, what's okay. Then we've got, okay, again. I'm so awake now. The girl's body book, the boy's body book, right? Mm -hmm. Girls, boys, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of in between that is not being addressed. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to start researching and finding this age. This is more for um, 10 to 12 year old. I'm going to start researching and looking around. Uh, no, actually, I'll do some research, but if everyone who's listening to the, this podcast could do the research too, yeah, that would be fantastic. Or write the book. <laughs> write the book. Yes. And let the young people speak up about, mm-hmm. let the young people be the experts. Um, let me see what else I have in my box. I have, well, gosh, you know what? There's fun ones like there's The Color Monster, A Story About Emotions. There's that. Younger ones all. Who has what? What are the body parts? What are the names? Um, And then I brought this one. Okay. Because I think the foundation of having conversations um, about sex with kids is the quality of the connection, the quality of the attachment with the person, the quality of trust with the person that they're sharing with. And this is Parenting from the Inside Out by Daniel Siegel. And he speaks a lot about um, connection and how to best connect with our children and how our children can best connect with us. I think there's that environment that's so important in order to talk about everything in life, really, sex being one of them.
0: So this parenting from the inside out, how a deeper self-understanding can help you raise children who thrive.
1: Right. Okay. And so I the like, relationship being yes, the foundation. And what I like about this is it says it's asking adults to do their own self-reflection their, on their own um, reactions to their children. Um, for example, I, I think about... The way kids learn is through exploration and um, healthy sexual exploration is done with, it's usually spontaneous uh, with kids and it's intermittent and uh, sexual behavior among children is it's um, done usually with familiar peers. It's done out of curiosity. Kids are discovering themselves little kids six-year-old kids eight-year-old kids who am I hmm. who, who is the, what is this body that I'm inside of um and it's really important for us as parents to understand that think uh, I think of um you know some stories I hear from my friends walking into a bedroom and finding their children doing some sexual things with each other and then them describing they're telling me about it because they're panicked and then they think I can I'm the one who can tell them what's okay and what's not okay um, and I think first that it's important to know that even though children's sexual behaviors may look like adult sexual behaviors they are generally are not experienced with the same erotic or sensual components. Mm-hmm. And that can be very confusing for adults because we see that and we go right to, oh my God, this is not appropriate when it's absolutely can be appropriate. I think of, um, you know, the conversation, let's say, let's take a three-year-old or a two-year-old. And um, if a child is trying to pull down the pants of another child, um, one response is, to pick up the child and say, don't do that. what does that do in terms of shame? Yeah. Yeah. Um, If a child is trying to play with the private parts of another child who is being diapered, for example, gently remove what you might do is gently remove the child's hand while saying one or more of the following things. You could say, you know what? Those are her private parts. Those are your sister's private parts. Everyone has them. Um, Are her private parts like yours? Um, kids have different private parts. Let's talk about those. What do you see? What do you think? Um, kids have penises. Kids have vulvas and vaginas. So just in that little 30 seconds, even 20 seconds of questions, you're talking about, you're, you're talking in an accepting, normal, um, natural tone. And you're naming body parts. You're mod- modeling that it's okay to name body parts, and you're mo- you're saying that yeah, of course you're curious. <laughs> let's talk. Let's yeah. talk about that. So the intention is to not have a sense of shame about that. Um, and other conversations. You know, there are so many um, things that we can respond with, and often people are like, "Just what do I say? Tell me the thing that I'm supposed to say." <laughs> and it can sound like um, you walk in and you know you're you see two kids and they're playing doctor because doctor is a great way to explore bodies mm-hmm. and um, or they're playing house which is a great way to explore gender roles mm-hmm. um, and identify who does what and why. And it's not to say that they're exploring the right gender roles, but it's a way of exploring Mm -hmm. and to walk in and say, Hey, what are you guys doing with that kind of uplifting curiosity? What are you guys doing? Well, that's the mom, that's the dad. And what an opening for lots of conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then sit down and join them and, um, Not to say that a parent always needs to be present. Mm-hmm. Um, what a negative thing that can happen with kids if it's tempting sometimes to make rules as a parent, you think? We want to make rules. This is okay. This is not okay. We make these rules. And when and if the rules are too rigid, then what we get is, okay, we know that's a rule. Do not touch private parts on each other or ourselves for that matter. And so, what does that tell a kid? Okay, that's a rule. But this, what's happening in this child is it's natural and healthy, and that's development. It's a mm-hmm. process of development. So, um, the child is going to hide, conceal, be secretive. Mm-hmm. And we're messaging that that's the way to deal with our own bodies. Which lasts for a lifetime sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Of course it does because our brains at that young age are just soaking up. What are the rules of this world? What are the rules in my world? What do I need? And those really inhabit our brains and our bodies and our neural pathways. So that gets carried into our adulthood. Yeah such a great opportunity with our kids.
0: Yeah. I love, I love obviously that curiosity piece. And I like also the distinction between the behaviors intentions. So children could be doing things that for us would be sexual or erotic, but for them can just be a learning or a developmental piece.
1: Yeah. You know, I have this other great uh, booklet that has a chart in it. And I often pass it on to friends and parents uh, because it has, it categorizes, you know, when we think about, oh, sexual behavior and kids and sex and kids, oh my gosh, it's sort of, it, my experience is it can be sort of this swimming and where do I begin? It's the soup of, and it's hard to organize. And the topic itself, depending on how we're brought up, can be very disorganizing internally, emotionally. So here I have a chart and it says natural and healthy behaviors of a kindergarten through fourth grade grader. And then next column of concern, next column, seek professional help. Would you like to hear some natural and healthy? Yes, please. Say? Interested in watching or peeking at people doing bathroom functions. Hey, what are you doing in there? Hmm. What's the age range on this again? It's uh, kindergarten through fourth grade. That means age five yeah. to 10-ish. Yeah. yeah, five to 10-ish um using dirty words for bathroom functions genital and sexual behavior dirty words where do you think they learn those (sighs) because i'm afraid what we do is we often dirtify um words that we make them sound dirty We Mm -hmm. make them as if they're dirty uh plays doctor the child inspects another child's body including private parts natural and healthy column Boys and girls are interested, boys and girls and all those in between are interested in having or birthing a baby. Touches or rubs own genitals when going to sleep, when tense, excited, afraid, or because it feels good. I think of you in your sex. (laughs) I love it when you say things like, because it feels good. (laughs) Um, Or shows others genitals in a private location. That, that can be natural and is generally natural and healthy. So that's just the beginning of it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. And then what are things of concern? What makes um, behaviors concerning? It would be um, frequency. So we want to pay attention to the frequency of behaviors more frequently than expected um, is behavior taking place between children of widely different ages or developmental stages, such as a 12 year old who acts out with a four year old, 15 year old with a 10 year old. And when I say acting out, I mean, um, in this case, sexual behavior, um, when behavior is occurring between children of different capacities, um, physically different capacities, intellectually different capacities, or one child is in a position of authority. Um, when behaviors are associated with strong upset feelings such as anger or anxiety, fear, or when the behavior causes harm or potential harm physically or emotionally to another child. Um, or when a child is really not responding to typical, typical parenting strategies like instruction, engagement, um, supervision. Or if a behavior is, and involves coercion, um, like you do this or else, uh, force, aggression, or threats of any kind, or, or bribes of any kind, things that, you know, we just know as parents, it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. So the better, more comfortable we get with what is natural and healthy, the more obvious it's going to be to us. And in our, our instincts are going to tell us, uh, there's something off here, but I'm not going to, attack that says, if I know it's off, I'm going to stay in that curious place and keep asking and keep wondering and keep, um, teaching and connecting with my child.
0: What resources do you recommend to caregivers who are experiencing those uh, instinctual feelings that something is off and, and want outside help?
1: Yeah. You know, um, the first place I went to when you asked that question, it's not, I never give quite a simple, concrete answer. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, okay, let me start with the simple, concrete answer, and that is there are, um, there are children's advocacy centers. There are over 800 of them in the United States across the country which are um, equipped to answer questions about children's sexual behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are this um, person, Tony Cavanaugh-Johnson, she has done a lot of work around sexual behaviors and she has these booklets, um, understanding children's sexual behaviors. That's the one I've been reading from the chart, um, and what's natural and healthy. And she also has one helping children with problematic sexual behaviors. And so that's been a good, uh, resource that I rely on with, with families. But oftentimes it's, oftentimes it's the parent who needs to connect with someone who can help them sort of decipher um the behaviors and where they might be coming from yeah um and there is a, a myth it is not supported by research and that myth is that if a child is acting out sexually in a problematic way or concerning way that they may have been sexually abused so the research doesn't draw a straight line between sexual abuse and problematic sexual behavior really important to know good yeah yeah right i'm sharing that the research does support that um sexual behavior can generally be a symptom of witness to violence in their in earlier years Mm. earlier years so witness to verbal violence witness to physical violence um, that can be disruptive to a child's development and then the sexual behavior We then you focus not on the sexual behavior but you focus on what previous traumatic events have happened with that child and the behavior is a symptom of something else and sometimes mm-hmm. we get yeah. so focused and fixated on the behavior itself that we lose sight of what's the bigger picture for this child so and talk about it. I think that's what I see is um, caregivers getting, feeling so much when they're concerned about the behavior, it sort of triggers this feeling of, this is embarrassing. Oh my God, panic. I don't know how to deal with this. Um, so this cloud of shame kicks in this, 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 um, instinct for secrecy, um, can kick in. And that really is not helpful. So we, so talking. <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 Starting with the child talking about it. Yeah.
0: Do you have, um, so we do this thing. Yes. At the end of the podcast called Sex for Credit. Now
1: you can practice at oh, home. No, gives you sex
0: Where we give the audience an That's, assignment. not
1: only for overachieving students. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, which okay. we all are. Okay, ready. So
0: for for the audience, but it could also be for us as well. Something that we do between now and the next podcast to... To to learn more, to take care of ourselves, to to maybe fit in with the topic of talking to kids about sexuality. Do you have an assignment?
1: Yes. Okay,
0: you do. Well, what
1: a, do I hear this right? Um, this is about like self care, or is it no, just another can, just any homework related? Yeah. A, okay, homework is to consider the impact that sexually explicit material has by internet has on the development of our children and the understanding of their themselves as sexual beings. Okay. Just consider it. Maybe consider, journal about it. Consider it. Start looking around their environment and wondering about how, am how is my child being exposed to, the outside world through the internet and this, you know, this internet with this information that we don't... It's hard to control what Mm -hmm. we see and I'm not... I'm not saying be really strict, but I'm saying just be aware of how you're connecting with your child and how the inner access to internet plays into that relationship. I, think I like the, it. Yeah, the best one of the best things we can do is <laughs> I laugh because I have teenagers and they do not want me sitting with them looking at their screen with them, right? Mm-hmm. There is an age where that's where everything they find on the internet. They have their person, their big person, their big, a trusted adult person with them, engaging with them and helping them navigate through. And I think, um, how much are, how much are families doing that? Um, so I'd say, yeah, survey, take a survey on what are, what are our values and beliefs around the use of internet and the quality of it and, um, what's, what's out there and how images are affecting our children and how we want to talk about those images. I like it. Okay. That works for yeah. our, What did you call it? Sexter credit. Sexter credit. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um all right. Two more things. One, I want to thank the people at patreon.com slash explanations podcast for supporting the existence of this show and my time with MC today. Um, specifically, the bosses, Zipwa, which is an amazing game company, Ben Trammell, Donna Flint and the Millers. Thank you all for this. Uh, and I have a question for you that is, you know, kind of related to all of this. Yeah. Just a, uh, okay. like a, a little stats question. Okay. You don't have to get the answer right. There's no no shame here. Um, but this is just in their honor. I'm going to ask you a question. So this researcher, newcomer, and their colleagues found that adolescent females whose mothers discussed const- contraception with them were A, less likely to have sex, B, less likely to use contraception, C, less or C, Slightly more likely to use contraception, or D, twice as likely to use it.
1: Twice as likely to use it. Yeah, MC, you got it. <laughs> and I went straight to what is the most empowering thing? Yeah. for a girl. Yeah, knowledge. Yeah, information. Understanding her body and her options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. And what a reflection of a girl who says, "I know what I want for myself."
0: Yeah, yeah. That's it's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think it it validates everything that you're saying where these conversations are really important and there's ways to have them that are less scary. And uh, yeah, the conversations, plural, I think is probably the most important thing that I try to teach people in positions where they're educating or providing care to another person is that it's not just one one talk. It's ongoing and it's anything from something short to a Q and A or sitting down and watching content together so that you're able to talk about what they're experiencing, but also help them choose content that is appropriate. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for doing what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any last thoughts or words? Uh, last thoughts or words
1: are: This is really fun. <laughs> <laughs> A little stressful with and, all the dogs, so I yes. Am so grateful for what you do and the kinds of boundaries that you you push and um, glass that you break. With let's talk about this and let's um, let's explore together. Yeah, Thank and you. I'm so happy for children when I think in this way. And I talked to you about this, yeah, yeah. so much possibility.
0: Right, yeah. Her
1: parents, you know, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I'm in awe of you, and I'm so grateful that you're here in our community, and that I get to share your voice with an even larger audience, because what you contribute to This planet is really valuable and just this, a sense of awareness about yourself and learn continuing to learn from your kids, but also you know, all of this material is out there. Thanks for sharing your cool books mm-hmm. and your perspective. Yeah. yeah, thanks for sharing your puppies today. <laughs> You're welcome anytime, take them with you. Um, so our outro we say, Encora and Paro. I'm still learning. That's what it means. I'm still learning. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.